I have exciting news. My mom, Sandy, is on this time. She is visiting me here in Lafayette, Indiana. Say hi, Mom. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. We do sister editions and mom editions. It, they're the yeah. people that we can most rely on to guilt trip into doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and she's actually, I'm running for elected office, and she has been writing postcards That's encouraging right. voters to come out and vote. That's right. As I yeah. say, hi, I'm Alana Stonebreaker's mom. Alana wants to bring a fresh new perspective to our, our local government. Please make a plan to vote. Yeah. Thanks, Sandy. And this is great because, um, first of all, it's her doing it, but also like it's like mom guilt, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like you could almost add it to remember to brush your teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, wear wear a warm coat. <laughs> it's just like that's such a great idea for a political campaign because it's like the most universal form of guilt. And who doesn't have a mom that uses mom guilt? It's like using mom powers for good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mom powers for good. That's great. Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent literary podcast. This is series one, season two, episode six of our romance novel focused two person book club. Three people today. Yay! Yay! My name is Alana and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we're discussing The Wedding Date by Jasmine Guillory. How are you, Wendy? I'm pretty good. Um, I just finished my coffee, so it's time for a beer. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that brings us right into, so what type of beer are you drinking, Wendy? I am drinking uh, Diamond Bear Presidential IPA. Bear and beer look a lot alike, so I can't ever figure out if it's diamond bear beer or diamond beer. <laughs> I think it's I think it's diamond bear. It's diamond yeah. bear beer. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> Listeners, feel free to correct us. Man, I should have been drinking that for um the last one because we yeah had, for we the bears. the shapeshifter. Man, <sighs> lost opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the drink you made. So we made, um, uh, my mom is having one too. Um, and the only thing you change with this is you substitute the champagne, um, and the, um, and the brandy for sparkling cider. But, um, so I made one that is very much that I called the wedding date. Um, <laughs> cause I thought about it and kind of like your drink is sort of like your date to a wedding as well. Like, it's a, it accompanies you throughout an evening. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a date as well. Um, it's got a third of an ounce brandy, three ounces of champagne, a little Geraldine. Um, grenadine. Grenadine. I call it Geraldine every time. <laughs> <laughs> Gren- and mom's like, it's called grenadine. Um, a maraschino <laughs> cherry, dash of sugar, and some garnish of an orange peel. Um, and it's pretty good. It's pretty tasty. Mm-hmm. It looks real fancy. And it looks like something you'd have. And my thought was is champagne is often at weddings. So yeah. That was kind of my, my thought process. It's pretty tasty. It's very orange, though. That's good. I like orangey drinks. I think the um, orange peel really adds something. Um, and the sugar is good, too. Um, so did you guys make that together? He, she was, my mom was kind of part of it a bit. She was, she was looking at it. They um, want to make these. Yeah, yeah. It was mostly me. I was like running around because um in Indiana you you can now buy alcohol on Sundays. Woohoo! Which is pretty exciting. Look but at you, you only... fancy. I know. We're living in like the twentieth century, not yet the twenty first. Um, so um my husband had to run out to the grocery store today to buy some champagne. So I was kind of waiting on the champagne. Um uh as well, so I kind of made this pretty quick, right before book club. As opposed nice. to my usual thing, in which I wake up at 10 a.m. and start <laughs> working on it. <laughs> um, you know, as part of my overly organized self. So what have you guys been doing? I mean, we've been doing a lot of things. So um, I took them to a local bakery, Mama Innes. I also took them, did I take you to Triple X? I think I yeah, did. Yeah, we went to Triple X. And we, we went to, to We went to Triple X. We went to see the um, special collections. Yeah, the special collections has a '60s exhibit that has some really great protest letters. 
that refer to like, you know, President Humvee has made a mockery of justice. Mockery of justice. Yeah. Um, And, And Sandy, you have been taking a sort of a civil rights trip around, haven't you? Before we came here, we were on a five-day uh, civil rights trip, and we went to Atlanta, Montgomery, Selma, Birmingham. Awesome. I've been to the to the um, MLK Museum in Memphis. It was really good. Mm-hmm. It is really good. Yeah, I remember you guys saying that you really liked it. Yeah, all the museums we went to were good. Yeah, you guys went to the new lynching museum. Went to the lynching. It's not really a museum. It's really a memorial. Okay. But it's big. Yeah. And Ooh. we saw, I thought, what I didn't know was that Martin Luther King is buried in a special pool, right? In a special pool in Atlanta, right near the, um, what's the name of that church? Ebenezer Baptist, Ebenezer Street Baptist Church, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we walked across the Pettus Bridge in Selma. Cool. It was a really good trip. It, yeah, it was with their synagogue. So uh, we were watching a video earlier of them all, like, Kind of groovy singing in the park. Oh, yeah. We did have dollar service in the park in front of the museum in Birmingham. So they were doing singing, singing Hebrew songs outside of it in the park. It looked pretty groovy. Yeah, yeah. She's been on a long trip. And while they're in town, we've been kind of running around. Um, they went to a fish fry, also campaign related. Saw my sister. Saw, and she also saw uh, her sister, my aunt. Um, cool. Pretty, pretty good time had. Went at a protest march. Oh, yeah. We went to, um, so as of this recording, it was just right after the Families Belong Together rallies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, um, I was actually, I ended up being kind of a local organizer for one of our marches. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to because we had one last week, but we had about 200 people out. Um, and, and we marched um, from West Lafayette to across the we started on the bridge and we walked across the bridge and then we walked through the farmers market and we tried not to get distracted uh, by farmers all the stuff in the farmers market. Fun. I know you're like my mom actually we lost her there. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was Matt's idea. He says, Why don't you just sit here and I'll come get yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she bought a squash. I bought so. her some squash. <laughs> Alana, uh, ever since I have known you, you have accidentally become organizers and leaders of things, just like. <laughs> How is that? How is that a continuing theme? Uh, I have an authoritative manner. What can I say? <laughs> People just kind of like put me in charge of things. Yeah. So, Wendy, you we were talking about the book right before, and you were talking about how you had a specific beef with this book before we kind of transitioned oh, yeah. to talking about it. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but it reminded me why I don't like contemporary <laughs> novels is because I'm a bitter. single (laughs) cynical person who has just dated way too much like i've just gone on way too many dates and had way too many bad experiences and and i was just like kicking like hitting myself in the head like trying to get over this thing everything that he did i was like that's bad you gotta go that's bad (laughs) he's not gonna change because he's, he's one of those... Um, what they used to call a player. Where he, like, quote-unquote doesn't date. I mean, like, he was kind of a gross dude, right? Like That's not even the, the issue that I had. Is the issue that I had, which is, like, the biggest misdirection in heteronormative dating culture ever, is that if something goes wrong, the woman internalizes it to say that she's not pretty enough. Like... Like, they're basically in a friends with benefits situation. They're, like, they've got their hands all over each other. And then something goes wrong and he doesn't talk to her because he has no social skills. And then she's like, it's because I'm not pretty enough. And I've got these fat rolls. And I'm, you know, short. And I have curly hair and I'm not blonde. You know, it's like, calm down. Like, you are wasting so much time. worrying about yourself like i hate it so much when when characters are self-deprecating in general because i think it like it's a bad example i mean yeah everybody can relate to a little bit of self-deprecating humor but it's not the only way to relate to a woman and it's like it's so cliche for women i mean admittedly women are like judged more for how they look but like 
things would go wrong in which clearly there was something interpersonal going on, and she would assume that it had something to do with suddenly he doesn't like short women with big breasts. Like... Like, I don't yeah. think that's the issue, lady. Like, if you're, if that's no. going to be how you process this relationship, <laughs> and this, that's the only process you can do, maybe you're just a jerk, you know? Like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that's the easy part of dating is, like, finding somebody who is attracted to you and you are attracted to them. That's the easy part. The rest of it is really hard. Because you have to figure out how to communicate with that person. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's it's sort of like, it, 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 yeah, it, it misses the point. And I know it's trying to go for relatable, but it just becomes, like, relatably bad. I hate that so much. I hate <laughs> it so much. Oh, so what, my, my biggest beef with the book? Okay, so we're going to go into the book. All right, so Mom, well, Mom, what's your biggest beef with this book? I think the big, my biggest beef with this book is that the... The fact that she is black and he is white is is completely um, under understated. It's not really talked about. Oh yeah. I mean, a couple, you know, a couple of na- nasty wisecracks, but other than that, it's like there's no drama about it at all. No, no discussion about it. No thought of of their life together as a biracial couple or what kinds of. Um, issues that they both brought into the relationship (laughs) so so while you're going on this um civil rights tour tour and you hear about all these interracial relationships you're you're reading this book (laughs) we bought it before yeah but But i thought you know that's sort of the premise of the book and then it doesn't go anywhere with it yeah when they when they have when they have tensions it's all about you know stupid mostly have to do with her insecurities it doesn't have anything to do with... With know, something deeper. Yeah. yeah. Or the rest of the family. Yeah. I mean, you see her sister a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. Um, But they're sort of like, oh, the and, first black through Harvard Law School. It's like, oh, you're just a picture? You're just a cipher to take that spot or something? Mm. Anybody else think that? Yeah. I No, I, I agree. I thought it was like the sweetest, like little moment of fan fiction ever <laughs> when <laughs> like it was like oh so this is a fluffy romance because like first he like you know he woke up and liked her and realized that there's such a thing as diversity you know <laughs> like he was like oh crap <laughs> there's such a thing as race and you know different issues he would like he'd be like oh crap i forgot about that and then she would explain it to him very carefully and very honestly and then he would listen (laughs) and then he'd be like oh yeah right Um, i was like well that's fan fiction (laughs) yeah well there's yeah there's another book of satire from the 60s that i read recently that was a similar thing if it was a um um uh, I think it was like a nanny or a cleaner who used to work in some house and she was telling stories about her life and she'd talk about all these inter- interactions with white people and she'd call them out for shit and explain to them why they weren't allowed to do this and they'd be like, okay. <laughs> um, but, I mean, yeah. at the same time, earlier, my mom and I tried not to talk about this while she was busy, but she asked me, like, how does this stack to other books that you read in this podcast? And I want to acknowledge that this book is much better written than most things we read (laughs) on this podcast. There were no typos. You know, everything made sense. There were no plot. We've got a perilously low. Yeah, we have perilously low. (laughs) Perilously low. And I will say, in terms of whether or not you like the book, like, the banter was, it was very much like watching a Matthew McConaughey movie. To Matthew McConaughey. You know, like, um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I guess maybe it's because it's also a wedding book. I hadn't oh. thought about it. But, yeah, so it's like it's, a, a traditional, yeah. like, like a sort of, like, smaltzy romance movie, mm-hmm. romantic comedy. It fits into that same genre very well. It's so much more, like, it's so much more ro- rom-com movie or tv movie than it is a book yeah i felt like like a book it's more like a movie it is more like a movie because actually one of the things um my mom sandy was saying before this is how much dialogue is in this 
there is a ton of dialogue. I gotta mm-hmm. say that is the story is told almost entirely through dialogue. And it's like also like many movies, it takes place in L.A. <laughs> um, and then it also <laughs> takes place in L.A. and Berkeley. And I feel like yeah, it was almost like put together to be a movie. Maybe that was her idea. Yeah. Well, what about the wedding plot in the in the end? I mean, is that wasn't that kind of like, come on, you're not going to end like that, are you? So this is the part where I tell my listeners spoilers. Uh, but I think she's talking about <laughs> in the end when they get into the elevator, their elevator, because they were stuck in the elevator, and then he's uh-huh. got, like, roses, and he's asking her to marry him. Yeah. Um. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know, I was like, oh, my gosh. I know, I thought that was... So, okay, there's a time and a place for that kind of bullshit. <laughs> is this the time and place? Uh, yeah, is this the time and place? Maybe. Maybe it is. When did you think it's the time and Okay, so, we, so that kind of, oh, God, that drove me so insane. Because, first of all, I understand that this is a rom-com. And that's how rom-coms are supposed to end. They're supposed to end with some stupid epilogue where they're, like, happily married and it ties back to the beginning. Okay, I understand that. However, this dude just started dating with relationships. He just started. Like, he's a baby in relationship terms. And somehow, they managed to um, get all of their issues straight 364 days before they met on the elevator, which is an extremely Mm -hmm. short time. For a relationship. Especially an interracial relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they've worked out all their issues. <laughs> well, I thought that was one year later. Yeah, it's one year, right. Okay. Yeah, it was It was one year later from the time they met uh-huh. in the elevator. So they weren't even dating. Mm-hmm. And this was like them also long distance dating. Like that sounds rough. <laughs> And they were long distance dating for like four months or something. And then he finally moved up to Berkeley. So I would probably, I would be like a year from that time. Oh, but they weren't long distance dating. Well, I mean, once, once the, the actual events of the book ends, he takes that new job. Yeah. So he's, he moves to, he moves moves to to Oakland. Yeah. So I, I guess we should, um, explain the, the book, um, just briefly. I mean, it's kind of obvious what it is. It's called The Wedding Date. They meet in a broken elevator. Very rom-com. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he asks her to go to a date with, go to a wedding with him and pretend to be his girlfriend. Um, and the other plot line is the fact that she's black and he's white. And um, the biggest plot line, though, is the fact that he doesn't date quote unquote and hasn't dated since med school because he broke the heart of the girl that is going to get married to his friend at this wedding then they start like actually dating kind of but they never really talk about it and then you know big grand gesture (coughs) and romance blah 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 and it's very rom-com like that i'm gonna go get her you know? Extremely yeah. rom-com. It, it could easily fit in with... And in fact, I kind of wondered if it was already was made into a movie because um, there was... <laughs> there's a, also a, a movie called The Wedding <laughs> Date, <laughs> which I came kept on coming up on when I was looking for this book. I imagine it's not a... But, there must be different. I mean, it's, it's a perfect name for a book like this, right? Um, and we actually, me, we selected it, me and my mom had selected it already, and then I, we decided to use it for this podcast because it's actually on a list of uh, books by women of color mm-hmm. um, that it came out in 2018, um, which is probably while we're reading it with a somewhat woke mindset because, like, the other books on the list are often about racial tension. And this book is very much like a sort of, like, light interracial romance. All right. Racial difference? None. None. Well, I don't know. I mean, she tries to explain to him how her his interaction is different because um, because he is like white, and also you know there are moments in which like his gross friends like hit on her because right. she's black. Um, 
But I mean, and also because yeah. she's dating him, and he just kind of wanders <laughs> around and like has tons and tons of privilege in general. Um, and his, you know, and there's kind of some cute moments between his best friend Carlos and, um, and Alexa, the main lady, and stuff like that. And and also the whole the main plot arc for Alexa's professional life is building is this um, program for at risk youth, which seems to be focused on. Um, possibly kids of color as well, because it's something that relates to her, her sister's progressions. So there are elements of, of like a racial relationship. Um, I would think like I'd be worried if I were her as well if this guy is only dating me because I am black, you know, or stuff like that, or like so he... what he expects from her. There's not any of that type of feeling. So there's a lot of of complexity that's just left out. There's, it's definitely not a book about race. Like, it's definitely a, a rom-com that has a race right. element. Um, which, which brings an interesting question, which is that, um, for instance, in another book club, I read the book Rosie's Project, I think, or The Rosie Project or something. And it's about a guy who is borderline autistic or possibly Asperger's at that time. I think Asperger's was still a thing. And it really wasn't about Asperger's. And it really wasn't about autism. It was about the romance between him and Rosie. And somehow he managed to solve everything (laughs) to the point where they could be together. Which is, like, weird because, I mean, there's there's a lot of interpersonal issues that go on with autism and, you know, being in a relationship, I assume. And um, we just kind of, like, fixed them all. And then he was, like, to the point where they could be together. And I think that this book was a, a lot like that, where it was, like, there were there was a little bit of tension, but they kind of fixed it all to the point where they could be together. <laughs> and it, and it kind of makes me wonder, like, is it okay to do that? Like, I was I was reading the autism, I mean, the book, The Rosie Project, and I was like, is this, like, okay? Like, is this, I mean, it's really lighthearted, and he doesn't really, he doesn't really accept the fact that he has autism, and he doesn't really do anything about it, you know? And then I read a little bit more about it, and the guy who wrote it was like, well, people just need to lighten up. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Do I?" <laughs> the book does 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 a good job in that both of the characters ha- like are have many other identities besides being an interracial relationship, right? Like it's also a relationship between a doctor and someone who works in politics. Mm-hmm. People, which is kind of an intersectional. It's about class as much as it's about race. Though, um, one thing that she's worried about. She kind of has reason to worry about is he is kind of a player in that he does like to like date women and then just drop them. And she was he was considering dropping her. It was the driving force of this book is the fact that he is a player and she wanted it to be more. And he kind of wanted it to be more, but he's like emotionally unavailable. So he had a hard time with it. And that that plot line just I guess it's part of the kills arc. me. Yeah, it's kind of part of his character arc. There's another part about him which drives me nuts, which is he has so much frequent flyer miles, like an obscene <laughs> amount of frequent flyer miles. How in the world do you get yeah, that many frequent people? flyer miles? So, they keep keep going back and forth. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. Well, she th- at one point she said, "Well, I'm going to run out of money real soon now." <laughs> I was like, you haven't already? <laughs> I mean, to be an ass- like, she wasn't an assistant, but she was, like... She was chief of staff. She, yeah. But, I mean... Still, that's, like, a lot of freaking money <laughs> to put down every week. It's probably at least, like, 200 bucks. Yeah. Plus, they were always going out to eat, too. Oof. Yeah, they went down to the park. Though, I will say, this book has something I really appreciate in romance novels... Which is a lot of descriptions of what they ate. <laughs> like, when they got those tacos, when Carlos picked up those tacos on the way, there was a description of what was inside those tacos. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, every single time they went to In-N-Out, we didn't get what they ordered every time. But <laughs> we did sometimes. We sometimes did, which is important to me because I want the details on all the things that they're eating and how delicious they are. That's right. Women, women like that. <laughs> so cons. Doesn't talk about race. Pros. Talks about food. <laughs> I mean, but uh, it's just the winning plot. It struck me as so cliche. It's just like the winning plot in all it those books. A million books. Yeah, that that's the part that we accept. When you were asking, <laughs> when you were asking, is this like typical? Yeah, that that part is the typical. That's part. very typical of the thing, <laughs> for sure. I, it did feel like almost overly cliche, though. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody get stuck in an elevator with someone? Also, how can you get them to stop an elevator so you can do a marriage proposal on it for thirty oh. minutes? Like, come on, they need that elevator. Well, it oh man, you slip on enough money. <laughs> Another con is that they are inconsiderate to the people working at that hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Limited money. He mm-hmm. does, yeah. Maybe he's also like a trust fund baby. Yeah, maybe. But like, didn't you guys think he was kind of skeevy? Like, ugh. Like, why would you date that person? Like, I would be running to the hills if somebody said, "Well, I don't really date." I'd be like, "Okay, well, it's nice to meet you." <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought he was a little skeevy. He's, he's like, showing up at the city council, men, city council meeting in Berkeley. Like, made me, like, ah, like, oh, God, don't psych her out on the day that she needs to be most composed. <laughs> like, that seemed like a yeah. cruel move. Sit next to his, to his, to your sister. I mean, <laughs> come on. I thought that was skeevy. In terms of him, I thought it was a real sweet move when, like, He's like, I have to tell you something. And it's that, like, he, one of his patients, he's a um, children's doctor, and one of his patients has leukemia, and he's really, like, messed up about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that was, you know, showed a lot of perspective. Uh, So in that way, I found him to be sort of endearing. I agree that he, like, can't seem to not be a rake in his behavior. Um, And I don't know if I would have trusted him at the end of it, because, like, running unannounced to Berkeley, um, and, and twice, twice he comes unannounced to Berkeley is, like, not good trust behavior. That's true. He, but he, that, and that's why she got so mad, because the other woman sort of told her, oh, yeah, no, he's good for, like, X number of weeks, and then he's gone. Yeah, and none of the women Ugh. hold it against him for some weird reason. I'd oh, be kind of salty. First of all, if I were a woman hanging out with that girl, I would be like, okay, let me take you aside for a moment and tell you his thing. Because his thing is gross. And he was planning he was planning on dropping her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe he'd let it go one more weekend, he kept saying. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, and the fact that the other ladies, you know, when asked outright how it ended, would tell him, but weren't going to tell her either before. What not to do in romance novels? You know, what not to do when seen in romance novels. Because, like, let's just say together, if a man is emotionally unavailable, he's still unavailable. <laughs> like, do not date an emotionally available man. You will not fix him. And, I like, this, this book, like, killed me kind of because it's, like, I've had multiple instances of this. So <laughs> this was like giving me like bad flashbacks. And I was like, listen, you can't do this. It's not going to work. You yeah. can't just like, he, like you can't fix him by love, you know. Yeah. It's his own pace. This is one of those books where you would want to write like a, a fan fiction emotional intervention. For the main <laughs> character where you're like, give up. Maybe take six months to, like, just really work out your issues in therapy and then, like, come back, you know? Yeah. I felt like, and also, it wasn't like that he didn't know that this wasn't hurting people. That's why he didn't want to go to this wedding alone. Oh, sweet, innocent boy. Oh, my God. He was like, and women are fine with it. Yeah, sure. They're fine with it. Sure. 
Everybody likes getting dumped. <laughs> yeah. Everybody likes to go out with someone for two months and then be put put off. <laughs> it's just, oh my God. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> they, romance novels really should have like a warning label on them. Kind of like smoking, you know, smoking. Mm-hmm. Cigarettes say like, like smoking could give you cancer. <laughs> yeah, do not engage in any, this, this, is, this is a romance novel. Do not try this at home. <laughs> don't express don't wait for your hunky pediatric surgeon right? it's not coming. <laughs> yeah with flowers in the elevator yeah come on 364 days before also the other thing that killed me was that so the biggest catalyst of this book is their lack of communication right mm-hmm. they didn't fix it by the end <laughs> And then there's one sentence in the epilogue where they said, they've been together happily forever. They figured out how to talk about their feelings. I was like, oh, really? (laughs) I was just looking at that like, well, I think you skipped some chapters here. (laughs) Yeah. Possibly the hardest part of dating. You just like threw a little throwaway sentence in there when the main catalyst was the fact that he is like emotionally unavailable and she doesn't talk about her feelings and then they just kind of like looked at each other and like squirmed most of the time yeah uh, definitely so not believable well yeah i mean this sort of exists in, and most of the book is just there's no real conflict in this book like a rom-com it's just like i mean they might they're on again and off again but like nothing really terrible happens and the conflict is like they love each other but they can't seem to get it together so in that way it was sort of a comforting book like it took me a while to read this book but i think it's because there was so much dialogue that was like kind of it was just the like the 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 saucy little detail bits, and there wasn't really progression as characters at right. all. Like, um, like What's it was a little arc? bit of a set piece, yes. you know. Um, there was no there was no growing of characters really. I mean, the way that the way that rom coms end is like a grand gesture. And I kind of hate grand gestures because grand gestures don't mean anything in the long run. It doesn't mean that they've changed. It doesn't mean like it's just because they like went to a lot of effort, you know. And then like I kind of thought like he was going to run into that courtroom or whatever and go, Alexa, I'll call you my girlfriend. (laughs) And then everybody would stand up and cheer and like pat him on the back and give him roses. And he'd be like, women, right? Like, look around and be like, like the amount of emotional labor that he had to put out in order to win her back was to call her his girlfriend. <laughs> well, he also he also accepted a job nearby, so he's trying to yeah, like. He's trying to that was just a little bonus. He was like, yeah. "I'm just gonna like call her my girlfriend and to just like." And I'll just move in with her, okay? You assume that's what he. It did. was a pretty ballsy move. Well, to to apply for a job locally. There was that really snarky comment I did enjoy, where um, one of the old girlfriends said. Oh, I looked at that dress, but I was just too skinny for it. <laughs> that oh was my a God. great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of women as villains in this book, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, though it does do a good job with his ex-girlfriend and showing that, like, he was really the douchebag in that Yeah, situation. right. I didn't think they were vil- a little bit, but, you know, yeah. they kind of had Alexis better. They wanted to warn her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did like um I did like the part where he showed up and like needed comfort. I did like that. So I I can see that as more of a realistic thing that could happen. It's like, "Oh, here's the benefits of actually being in a relationship so you can lean on them." Mhm. And I liked how they set this up and when she's like, "There's something I really need you to know." And I'm like, "Oh god, is this the moment where he's like, I'm emotionally unavailable. This is going to be a no strings." I'm a 4-year-old and a 5-year-old. Oh, well yeah, it could have been something <laughs> like that too. But um but then it was like, you know, this this kind of traumatic thing that happened to him at work and I was like, "Oh." Like I thought that was cute. <laughs> it was a cotton candy type of book. I didn't like the final conflict, but it it was really powerful to me, like the whole part when 
um, she was really mad and he was really mad and they were gonna like talk about it, you know, but then they ended up not talking about it and she was like crying like that. That was like really tearful to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was well written. Sad that they did not communicate, but you know, stuff happens. Also, the sex. There was a lot of sex in this book. There's like, a lot of sex with tasteful cutscenes. Yeah, I mean it was it was low on detail, but there yeah, yeah there's a lot of like this the, the most of this book I saw like one of the previous reviews was like a negative review that's like too much sex. And I'm like, can you really what? have too much sex in a romance novel? <laughs> Probably not. Um, I was like, so this is what we're doing? <laughs> I'm reading, like, I'm reading a shifter novel at the same time, which, like, goes far into the sex scenes more than needs to. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna cut through this. And there was, like, a lot of cut through, cut scenes and because they had a lot of sex. So it was, like, every once in a while it would be, like, moments where you, like, skipped ahead yeah. every page or something. Yeah. It was, like, and then he was really, he was looking cute and then dot 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 and then we were sitting next to each other and he was looking cute and and then dot 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 (laughs) yeah there was yeah this book i think is the second most for amount of sex in it it's second most after uh his precious cargo (laughs) (laughs) which was a sci-fi romance novel that we read that one also had a lot of sex in it i love that book This is is a classier romance novel than we're used to. Yeah, it's it's pretty classy. But overall, like, I'm just not the person that would hang out with these people and not the person, (laughs) like, they seem so boring and tame. (laughs) Their conversations were like, there was a lot of them and they were kind of flirty, but also I was like, kind of bored most of the time because they weren't particularly funny. They weren't, I mean, they were kind of engaging. I thought that they were well-written and they seemed like real people, but I don't know. The book was kind of also really a lot about their work lives. They didn't really have hobbies. No. Who has time for hobbies? <laughs> you got those demanding jobs and, yeah. and you know, you got a, a, a girlfriend, you know? There's mm-hmm. no time for hobbies. I have lots of hobbies. <laughs> I, I know. We're, we're in the middle of a hobby right now of ours. <laughs> Right. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> well, it's okay. I'm single. She's married, so yeah, I guess we're not like actively dating. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is our hobby, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> so overall, how did you feel about it, Alana? I felt like it was like a, a three out of five. Like I liked it. I didn't hate it. Um, I mean, I didn't. Would I? I'm not, like a three out of five is really good for me. Um, like yeah. five is like, I can't stop thinking about it. And four is like, oh man, this is the best X I've read. You know, so that's how I felt. How did you feel, Wendy? I didn't like it. I mean, <laughs> it it was well written, but it was ultimately mostly boring. And I cannot stand that plot line. I just cannot. I feel like, like this was a book for people who don't need more drama in their lives. <laughs> yeah. Like, might as well be like simple drama, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys are probably, like, realistic enough, but I'm, like, more whimsy. <laughs> Damn, like, nobody turns into animals here. <laughs> nobody is, like, going to die soon, you know? Like, nobody is in Regency England trying to make money as a woman when it's illegal to do that. sweet for these people. I mean, like, what's yeah. the worst case scenario for them? They go back and they're just successful in their, like career yeah i mean they could have added like a like maybe a, a him tearing to the airport to save the child or something <laughs> i agree that it felt like yeah, it was not child. a very dramatic book <laughs> yeah say say something yeah, yeah and come on let's be real about race here they were not um sandy how did you like it well i i have to agree with a lot of kind of a three out of five it was okay you know well written it was okay that you know it's just they could have done a they just could have done a lot more with it I think. 
More whimsy. <laughs> it would be like, let's talk about race and also I'm a vampire. Like, yeah, you just yeah, wanted to be more dramatic. I'd like to have a no, you know, a witch t- telling fortunes or something. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> she could have a vision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I don't like contemporaries because the the conflicts when there are conflicts are all internal and it's like we had to deal with his emotional unavailable availability and we had to deal with her self-deprecating comments to herself when you could tell she was probably really hot like (laughs) she probably was smoking (laughs) <laughs> and she was like, oh, I have tummy rolls. Everybody got tw- tummy rolls. Everybody got those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's be real here. So, Wendy, what else are you reading? Well, I, um, this is the first time where I have read a book from a book club and actually continued reading it. Oh, Reading yes. that series. So, which one did you read again? Which, which So, series? I'm, so, um, Shelley Lawrenston, last book club's, um, book the hot and badgered one (laughs) i am reading her series so um i started with the main event and it's about a lion shifter and a new york cop (laughs) (laughs) guess what it's not about her insecurities and his emotional availability there's like murder and stuff (laughs) it is what i predicted so you know how i said last time that Possibly since this book, since Hot and Badger was so late in the series, it has a lot less tension and a lot less, like, sexy times. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's so many of that series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> there were a lot of sexy times <laughs> in the main event. It was pretty much all sexy times of explicit. <laughs> 60 times and I was like oh we're going there okay all right got it (laughs) I mean I feel like the first book is like the author has something to prove you know Mm -hmm. that's probably why they up the sexy but um yeah it's been super fun and hardly anyone ever ships into their animal yeah there's like no reason (laughs) what have you been reading I just finished uh, Unbelievable, My Front Row Seat to the Craziest Campaign in American History by Katie Turr. Um, And that is a book about uh, a reporter who covers the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting, but more interesting is her, she's the daughter of two uh, uh, breaking news reporters in the LA area who were one of the first people to think of buying a helicopter to cover police chases. Hmm. And it was interesting watching, like, talking about the progression of breaking news and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I, I thought it was okay. It, it was sort of the book that was like, it was all about the Trump campaign. It was like, I want you to feel as bad as I felt doing that thing. Um, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I offer you no perspective on doing any better. I just wanted to tell you how bad, that I also feel bad uh, about the whole thing. Um <laughs> And mom, you just finished a book, right? Yes, right. I was um, as part of the civil rights trip. There was a whole list of books they wanted, they suggest you to read, and one of them is The Help, which was mm-hmm. made into a movie, and that was an excellent book, mm-hmm. very well written, and very engaging, and I would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the movie? No. Oh. I heard I heard some interesting things about that generate generation. Wise, um, especially like from people coming in the South, living in the South, like this one woman I talked to, um, she, her mother and her daughter, who's about like 17 or something, read it and, um, they all had like a really different experience reading it, which I thought was interesting. How's that? Um, well, the grandmother thought it was, it was too harsh. I guess. And then the the woman who I was talking to thought it was like great. Um and then the girl who was reading it thought like the way that they the people in that w- were dealing with like black people was just awful. Like she was like I couldn't believe that they did that, you know. Um which I think is a very interesting idea that you can have such different reactions to the same book. The question is, is, 
is the South transforming? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> As an outsider, I just, I don't know. Things are looking bad and good and worse and better. It's a complicated mm-hmm. issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of complicated issues, mm-hmm. next month we are going to learn, we're going into the nuts and bolts of how to write a romance novel. And we are reading the, I'm just going to call it a classic, the classic Writing a Romance Novel for Dummies by Leslie <laughs> Wanger, um, and, uh, which is the 2004 version because that's apparently the last time they wrote this book. Um, and I, I could, I probably could have picked another one, but this one is available at my local public library, so I could not resist. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll see how it goes. It's 294 pages of tips. (laughs) I'm excited because, you know, we've talked before about how, like, a book before 2000 is very different from a book from 2018. So I'm wondering if any of this is relevant to the current market. Yeah. Which it probably isn't. <laughs> Maybe. I guess we'll read through it. I heard it's kind of, I looked at the reviews for it on Goodreads, and people say it's too grandmotherly. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, we might have to do some intertextual analysis here and pick something out. I was going to go to the library and pick out... See if there's any newer books um, about romance <laughs> novels because I we have noticed that I think the craft has changed in terms of expectations of um, of consent and expectations of uh, empowerment. I think have changed in the last yeah. ten years in terms of a lot. romance novels. In terms of previously, you were allowed to like kind of. I mean, you could still do things, but it's also I think some you know some of the more racy ideas about that I think have moved to erotica and romance novels themselves have sort of changed in terms of the dynamics yeah it's Um, a lot of like the farther back you go the farther back you basically see like cavemen knocking a woman over their head and like dragging them back to their cave like (laughs) that's the kind of man that you yeah I think like you see in early romance novels and you can definitely tell a different ones that have been written more off I mean more recently, I think it's, 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 yeah, that people, it's, it was a little bit more, more, there's a little bit more kidnapping, I guess I'd say, <laughs> in earlier romance novels, you know, there was Highlander kidnapping, pirate kick, kidnapping, you know, rake kidnapping, rake kidnapping, okay, duke kidnapping, cowboy kidnapping, you know, yeah, like, there was a lot of options, of there was a lot of kidnapping options, shapeshifter <laughs> kidnapping, like, like you could, you could, you could take a woman physically away and, and it was okay for her to fall in love with you. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't Stockholm Syndrome. Um, Which is like, I mean, we will admit that Stockholm Syndrome is alive and well today. <laughs> like, it's not like it's gone. No, it's- I think, and, and I mean, it's still part of the genre. <laughs> Just less so. Yeah, I think it, um. <laughs> I, I don't know and I feel like I mean some of the romance novels we've read that have been recent are also like so bad it's good but books like like yeah. Hot and Badgered about honey badgers or uh, you know His Precious <laughs> Cargo or um, you know Tender Wings of My Desire it's almost like this genre of, of like really bad good romance novels has also mm-hmm. surfaced which I love so yeah they're pretty great yeah, they're pretty great. So, do you think that you're going to read more romance novels, Sandy? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> did you you did can you... say no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she reads a lot more, like, serious books for, like, she, right now you're in a sociology of housing, of housing class. So, she reads. I'm obviously yeah. massively behind in the reading yeah. as I missed the first three or four classes. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're also, it's funny because at the same time as, me and my mom have our own book club normally, and at the same time as we're reading, you know, writing romance novels for dummies, she was laughing because we're also reading The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And I think they're pretty much the same book. I mean. I saw that 
different. Not that different. I think so. Nah, pretty much the same. I mean, similar themes, the, definitely. We this book together. That shows that we were pretty lighthearted, mainly because it was the next book on the list. But yeah. Look at that, look, look at that <laughs> list since 2018. You can't yeah, go yeah, yeah. We've we been going through a book of, like, books, by, uh, you know, excited, praiseworthy books that have been reading praise that are 2018 books that are by people of color. Women of color. Women of color. But... It's so too expensive. This was on the yeah, but it's we've decided it's pretty expensive to buy, you know, twenty eighteen books. Well, the structure of scientific revolutions was a book that was in, when I was in college was really the rage. So Alana said she wanted to read it. Yeah. It's pretty short too. Philosophy of science. Yeah, pretty sure that oh, there's yeah. there's probably going to be werewolves in it. Yeah, werewolves. lots of overlap. Lots of overlap. <laughs> men, that's your overlap. Yeah, men. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> oh, also, man. the Bechdel. Now, the thing is, does this this book meet the Bechdel test? I don't think it does. Do you know what the Bechdel test is, Wendy? Yeah, I think it does because she and her sister talk about um, the at-risk youth thing. Oh, that's yeah. true. And she but and barely. many of her friends talk about the at-risk youth. And she had that, like, strained relationship with her sister. Yeah. That was not about... Which but was kind of boring. And the best friend was mostly... The stuff with the best friend was mostly relationship stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it did... Our standards are so low if we find some... Little tiny bit of conversation. We said, "Oh, it passes." Well, I will say that it didn't meet the opposite. I mean, also like him and Carlos also only talked about the relationship. Yeah, so, I mean, there was a in there like, was a lot of talking about the relationship in this book, right? While they were playing to, basketball, while they were playing basketball, yeah, which is like the most cliche. Say, Shut up, yeah. Carlos! I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, that was extremely cliche that he's that he plays basketball. <laughs> just like Barack have, Obama I know <laughs> I, mean, I feel like I've seen this movie before yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean pretty much the way I could recommend this book is if you like if you like rom-coms and you want to read something that is like a rom-com then pick this up because it yeah, is a rom-com well I would characterize this as a beach read for sure I thought I was going to be reading it on the plane. <laughs> I didn't like it. They were too basic for me. Too Ugh. too basic. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. For extra bonus features for this episode, you can visit gwenwendy.com slash s2ep6, where you can also read more about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter, at librarianalana. What's the best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy kind, Alana. Cool. <laughs> Yay! The Anna Lana's podcast. Wendy Anna Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo!